so we are in, oh, I just want to say this. There's a chance that by the end of the message today, it might smell like feet in here. Just saying, that's the little, just setting it up. Are you excited about that? No, who would be excited about that? All right, well, just wait and see. Okay, so we're in week two of this series called, or the book of Exodus, right? We're, we're in this series, and, and we're walking through it. And last week, I know it was fall break, and so some of you may not have been here, or you're somewhere else or whatever. If you have not had a chance to listen to or watch uh, the message last week, I highly, highly encourage you to do that because it sets up this series. It sets up what... What it shows me, like the, the first half of the book of Exodus is about what God did to rescue his people, and then the second half of the book is about what God expects of his people, and so it kind of sets this whole stage of how God wants to redeem us and the great lengths in which he's gone to in order to do that, and so it really sets us up. So I encourage you, encourage you, go back and listen to, watch Exodus uh, week one of this series. Um one of the things that you've heard, you heard Justin praying it, you heard Casey praying it, we definitely just sang about it, is what I'm excited about in this series of Exodus is to see and sense um, the spiritual renewal that God wants to work in, in his people, in the Israelites. But now I also believe that's true that he wants to do that same thing in us, is he wants to revive us, he wants to work spiritual renewal, renewal in us. And so, um, quick overview of the book, uh, just what Exodus does is it, it's, it's narrated, okay? So, it's Moses telling us what has happened. It's written after the fact. And so, Moses is narrating this, and it's the act of salvation of God. This is what Exodus is all about. God saved his people. He, he delivered them from captivity. He delivered them from slavery, from bondage, which is what they were in. I mean, they, they were not free people. They did not have, they could not just do whatever they wanted, and they had been released from this. And maybe you can relate to the idea of being released from oppression, being released from, from being stuck in a place, and that sin in, a, in and of itself, we get released from that through Jesus Christ and we get to live into new life. And this is what Exodus shows us and tells us because it also focuses on what does it mean to live as God's people? What, what does it mean to be these people that he did so much for to rescue? What does it mean for them to live in redemption? What does it mean to live a life that it's, you don't have to live by that identity any longer? So today we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3. It's our main text. Um, and a little bit later, we're going to, uh, well, yeah, we'll flip over to um, Philippians chapter 2 as well. But Exodus 3 is our main text this morning. Now, what has transpired by the time oh, you start reading in Exodus 3 is that Moses um, has grown up in Pharaoh's household. He's an Israelite. He's a, he's a Jewish person, but he has been adopted into Pharaoh's family and in the process of him kind of growing into a man and leadership and understanding all these things, he ends up killing an Egyptian soldier out of anger, and he covers him up, and then he runs. And so by the time we get to Exodus 3, Moses has been on the run. He's no longer a part of Pharaoh's household. He's met who his wife. They are married, and we find this beginning in verse 1. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. 
So um, Moses is no longer kind of like high up, like, hey, Pharaoh's family, look at me, here I am. He's now like a ranch hand. He's, he's tending the flock of his father-in-law. He's taking care of the animals for his father-in-law. It says, he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Now, last week, we hung out in, in Exodus chapter 19, which is where they've come out of slavery. They're about to go into freedom. And here they are at the base of Mount Sinai. Well, we're doing a, uh, we're flashing, so that was a flash forward. Today, here we are. This is the first time that Moses has this encounter, this experience with God at Mount Sinai. Verse 2, there, okay, now, I, and I just got to say this. I told our 930 people this, too. Let's just, can we, can we just say, God, would you, would you reveal yourself in this word this morning and what I just take at face value and it doesn't even move me or, or cause me to, to go, wow, that doesn't bring any kind of awe into my life? Lord, would your word this morning, would it be alive? God, would your word be alive? Would it actually challenge me? Would it challenge what I assume or what I have believed or what I thought I understood? God, would you reveal yourself in your word this morning? Because verse 2 says, There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. You might think, okay, yeah. Bushes burn up. Okay. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. We have bonfires. We have fire pits. We torch giant piles of our neighbor's Christmas trees like a month after Christmas because it's really cool to watch them go up really quickly and just burn. Right? But what does it? It burns up. You put it in the fire, it burns up. This was not happening. And so, Moses, verse 3, this is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? He knows that's not the norm. That's not ordinary. Why isn't that, bushing, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. So he was drawn to it. Verse 4, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Okay, this is a holy moment. Bushes don't burn up, bushes don't, are on fire and yet don't burn, and then voices don't come out of them. This is, this is amazing. God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. The big point I would like to, to make um, from this passage this morning is that what God does is that he speaks into our ordinary lives, ordinary lives, ordinary lives, and he transforms everything by his presence. By his presence, he transforms a bush that should burn up, but it doesn't. By his presence, he transforms even the dirt that Moses was standing on. 
speaks into our ordinary lives. He transforms everything by his presence. And then he says, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. I mean, so here's Moses. Don't know what day of the week it is. It was, so or, it was such an ordinary day that, you know how scripture is, if you read it, especially Old Testament, boy, they will tell you what day it is if it's, if it's really important. Like if it's like the third month of the, of the fifth day of the holy of the thing, like they'll tell you of the festival of the, like, nope, don't know what day it is. So it's an ordinary day. We know that because it doesn't tell us that it's anything more than that. And there's Moses taking care of some sheep. And there is, now they're in the desert, right? There wasn't just that one bush that's there in the desert. There's, they're all over the place. These little scrubby little bushes all over the place. But there's one that's on fire. So ordinary, ordinary bush. And suddenly what happens is that holy happens. Holy happens. And everything gets transformed. That dirt on the ground, that bush, and nothing in Moses' life is ever the same again from this point forward. You could say, going even back to his birth and his upbringing, that, that, that God had his hand on him, for sure. But from this point forward, as, as an adult, nothing's ever the same. And so what this passage is, is all about, it's about the extraordinary Breaking into the ordinary of life. The extraordinariness of God breaking into the ordinary. So it'd be like Moses, it'd be like it would be seeing and hearing and and then responding to the presence and holiness of God. And and I wonder, like, does this does this stir up anything within anybody? Does this stir up anything within any one of us today, that God speaks extraordinary and desires extraordinary into ordinary? I mean, how, are there any of us going, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty ordinary. Yeah, I'm a Christian, pretty ordinary. Like, are any of us, like, stirred up just a little bit by this? Have you been, let me, let me phrase that differently, have you been longing for the extraordinary of God. Like you've been longing for the extraordinary of God to break through in, in the ordinary of your life. That you've been saying, oh, I, I believe there's more. I, I, I read that there's more. I sense that there's more in my very being that there's more than, than what I am, how I am currently living. Like my ordinary life, it just seems like, God, is, is there more? Am I, am I not in awe of who you are? Do I, not, do I not take your word and allow it to actually penetrate my heart and my soul and it actually change the way I live, the way I work, the way I speak, the way I... everything. Is there a longing for the extraordinary of God? I went to um, tell you a quick story. I don't know how quick it'll be, but I'll tell you the story anyway. Uh, I, went to, I went to seminary, Asbury Theological Seminary, and um, there's two campuses. There's one in Florida, which I went to because it was closer, and then there's the main and the original campus, which is in Wilmore, Kentucky, tiny town in Kentucky, and it started actually just as a college, and they still have a college, but now they're a university, 
Asbury University, and then Asbury Seminary, and they're all right there in Wilmore, uh, Kentucky, little town. 51 years ago, on an ordinary Tuesday, in February of 1970, okay, the extraordinary happened. And you can, like, look this up later. You can Google it. You can go to YouTube and type in, like, Asbury uh, 1970, and you'll, you'll see some, maybe read and hear some really neat things. But here's what happened. The extraordinary broke in that day, on that Tuesday in February, which, you know, like, I don't know if you've been in Kentucky or in that time of year, but it's just, it's kind of, it, it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of cold and it might be rainy or whatever. It's just a very ordinary blah kind of thing. Um, so on that day, what happened at Asbury College is God shows up in an extraordinary way. 10 a.m. chapel service. So you might be thinking, oh, well, it's a chapel service. So yeah, of course, God's going to show up. Yeah, that's what he does. It's a chapel service. Like, yeah, God's going to show up in an extraordinary way. Well, here's the deal. At Asbury College in 1970, Christian place, you were required to go to, you were required to go to chapel as a college student. Not once a week, not twice a week, but three times a week, you got to go to chapel or you got a demerit. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Um, nothing more than a required um, service to go to, to just really get you pumped up for Jesus. <laughs> so you can imagine, because it's February, so they've already had a semester of three required chapel services a week in an entire semester, and now they're in the second semester, and it's dreary old February. Can you just imagine how excited the students must have been for that Tuesday chapel service? Very ordinary, so very ordinary. Now, what happened that day is the academic dean was responsible for that particular service, and he didn't uh, feel like he, he didn't have a message he really wanted to bring. He thought, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to get up and I'm going to share what, what I feel like God has impressed on my heart. And so he kind of shared his, his own personal, like his experience of late that he had been having where he just was convicted of not just being in awe of God and, and what that was doing in his life. And he shared briefly, briefly. And um, they're all there in this auditorium, prepared for this routine day. And, and to, sh to do a testimony was not odd, so there was nothing extraordinary necessarily about that. But then when he got through speaking, he said, would any students like to share? Which, again, was also kind of ordinary, not strange. One student got up, came up to the, the podium that was there in the auditorium, big auditorium, huge auditorium with a giant, like, altar kneeling rail in the whole front of the place. And uh, he said, would any students like to share? And one student came up pretty quickly and shared pretty much the same thing that the, that the dean had just said. It was just like, I, he just, he shared, like, it was like a confession. He was like, I just have not, I have not been in awe of who God is. I, I want to be, I want God to move in my life. I want God to reveal himself. And, and he just kind of shared his heart. And then when he was done, another student came and did the same thing, and then another. And before you knew it, there was a line of students that just wanted to come and share. And after several, what this is all noted from like students that were there, eyewitnesses account, is that what you notice is that it was almost like some said it was like a dam just broke. 
like after so many testimonies, and that students were coming to the kneelers and just either alone or maybe with a friend, and they were just they were just confessing, and they were just like, God, I have, I'm just, you know, whether they, they might have some specific things to share, but most of it was just the fact of, I have not been in awe of you. Um, then you would, you would, it was very like kind of tame, they would say, like, like you might hear like some weeping. There might be some people that were so, you know, convicted in their prayer and their time that they just couldn't, you know, you might hear a couple people singing or uh, a few people praying, but this just went on and on. Now, these required chapel services were only supposed to last 50 minutes. Um, and that particular, I want to read this account from this 50, supposedly 50 minute <laughs> um, service that day. Um, there's a Louisville physician who was a student at the time. He is quoted as saying, when you walked into the back of the auditorium, there was kind of an aura, kind of a glow about the chapel. I have always been reminded of the verse, and this is why I'm sharing this story with you. I've always been reminded of the verse, take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. He says, you just walked in and sensed that God had indeed sent his spirit. So as the students and faculty and staff prayed, confessed, called out to God, this is what he sensed. And, and so here's what you find, is that the ordinary, routine, required service, which was scheduled for 50 minutes, lasted 185 hours. So one week. An entire week. Without interruption. Now, accounts were from students is, yeah, I would, I would go back to my dorm and I would take a shower. I'd get something to eat. I'd go to the cafeteria, you know, and I'd come back, you know. But the accounts are that at no time was that chapel, did it have less than 100 people in there who were worshiping God, who were praying and calling out to God. By the end of that week, most of the students, it's noted that most of the students, if not all, I mean, of the students at Asbury College and across the street, Asbury Seminary, had spent time at that altar rail kneeler sometime during that week. And not only that, but, well, of course, they dismissed classes for the week, so there you go. So, um, and, But they just say that the whole spiritual tone of the campus just changed after that. Now, this makes the news. So news of this, it starts being written up after a couple of days. It's in the newspaper, and then like local TV stations pick it up and all this. And suddenly, it wasn't just students that were there that were coming during, the, but there were the neighboring, like people in Wilmore were coming, and then people outside of Wilmore were coming. People were coming from a thousand miles away because they wanted to be there. Um. Leaders of other colleges and seminaries and churches invited students, would you please come and share what God is doing there? Like even like as the week went on, they were being shared. That first weekend, so it started on Tuesday, that first weekend, they were being asked to go to churches and to share what God was doing. And everywhere that these student groups went and shared, revival would happen where they went. Like the same thing would happen. People would just that they would be overwhelmed with that sense of, I have not been in awe of God. I have had a lethargic, lackluster just relationship with who God is. I've not been overwhelmed by who he is. I, I, I haven't. 
in, in one church, they said it went from like New York to California, like that, that students went out, out everywhere and even, even into South America. In one particular church, some Asbury students were asked to come to Anderson, Indiana, to Meridian Street Church of God and to share there uh, what was going on. Revival happened there. People started just coming to the altar and just confessing and just just desiring more of God. And that revival there, the reason I mention it is because it lasted for 50 nights. 50 nights. I mean, they would go home and then come back. But 50 nights, God moved among the people. The church uh, was so small, they had to move it to a local gym that held about 2,500 people. And so they would say that there's probably close to 3,000 people every night for 50 nights packing that gym. They wanted to be in the presence of God. So what started with an ordinary, well, I didn't tell you what I was about to make the point. I need to tell you what it is, where it started. The first student that came up to share after the dean said, would anyone else like to share? Uh, was a young man who, with a very small group of other students, had been praying for several months. It started within them that God would renew them, that God would revive them, that God would give them a hunger for his word and for his presence and to be awed by him. It started there, and then they started to pray that for their campus. So what started with that ordinary group of students praying led to an ordinary required chapel service and then the extraordinary shows up the Louisville doctor said quote I sensed that God really desired a deeper commitment of my life to him he says you stand in that kind of presence and that kind of awe and it's very difficult for a mortal not to really look and examine and ask, what does this God want of my life? What does this God want of my life? Can you picture in your mind Moses as he stood there before that burning bush, hearing the voice of God call out to him by his name. Can you just imagine Moses going, what does this God want with my life? What does this extraordinary God want with my ordinary life? And the answer to that question is everything. He wants everything to do with your ordinary life. Everything. Look at verses 2 and 5 again. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. Verse 5, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. And Moses' ordinariness is absolutely shattered in that moment. It's broken. It's broken. And his life is suddenly saturated with the reality of the holiness of God. And when the holy happens like that, when we experience God's presence like that, when God speaks to us 
everything gets transformed. God's holiness transformed everything that's there at hand. The burning bush in that barren, lonely desert of Sinai, it's a sign that God comes down into our ordinary lives, into an ordinary object to meet us, ordinary people, where we are. And he speaks words of transformation, and he speaks words of life, and he speaks words of promise. He speaks word of, of hope. He speaks word of direction. That's what he does. Philippians chapter 2. It describes to us, through Jesus, what it looks like for God to meet us where we are, us ordinary people to meet us where we are. And I want to read to you verses 6 through 11, and please, I'm going to allow me to inject a few words into this as I share it with you. Though he was God, talking of Jesus, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his extraordinary divine privileges and he took the ordinary, humble position of a slave and was born as an ordinary human being. When he appeared in ordinary human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. That's, that's, what's, that's the common denominator in all this, this revival story I'm sharing with you. People that humble themselves in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on a cross Therefore, God elevated him to the place of extraordinary highest honor and gave him the extraordinary name above all other names, that at the extraordinary name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every ordinary tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the extraordinary God father. So what Jesus did is he accepted his ordinary position on earth so that God's extraordinary glory would be revealed. And so here's the, here's the real question that, that I, I pose. How is that ordinary day that we don't know what day it was when Moses was tending the flock and suddenly the bush is aflame? And the voice of God comes from it. How is that day, and how is an ordinary chapel service on February 3rd, 1970, and how is October 17th, 2021, how are these days any different from one to the other? And the answer is they're not different at all. There's no difference in any of these days. Nothing in all of creation because of Jesus Christ, because of who God is, because of his holiness, how great he is. There is nothing in all of creation that is devoid of the, the possibility of this speaking, delivering, holy God. There's no place that God cannot show up. No place. And so when you think about it, we ought to see... That wherever we set foot, we are on holy ground. We are on holy ground. Wherever we are, at this moment, you are on holy ground. 
God could have delivered Israel without a stuttering, murdering refugee like Moses. He could, just like he could choose to work without us, never revealing himself to us, he could do that. But he chooses to redeem us through Jesus Christ. And he, what he does is he makes us these unlikely partners in, in the work that he still wants to do. And I believe that the kind of spiritual renewal and revival that began at Mount Sinai and is witnessed in Wilmore, Kentucky and Anderson, Indiana and countless, countless other places is just as ripe right here in Valdosta, Georgia. There's no reason that we are not drawn to be in awe of God. We can experience God's holy presence anywhere, anytime. And I know this because of the way that God approaches Moses. He didn't need him to free the Israelites. He could have done it himself. But God is profoundly relational. And so God's presence is, is revealed. And it's revealed to ordinary people going about their ordinary routines. And honestly, that could be like the subtitle of the Bible. The Holy Bible, ordinary people doing ordinary things until the extraordinary happens. I mean, and so a question is like, do you desire, do you want to be watching and waiting and expecting and praying for those holy moments of God to, for him to reveal himself? Is this a desire of your heart? Jesus follower? Is this something that you want to see, that you want to experience? You're on holy ground. We're on holy ground. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What does this God want of your life? He wants you to worship him. He wants you to be in awe of him. He wants you to call out to him, cry out to him. He wants you to depend on him. He's made that possible through Jesus Christ. As the band comes back out and we spend some time in worship, I do want to tell you that tomorrow, tomorrow night at 7.30, we're going to have a time of worship and prayer right in here. And I hope that you can uh, be a part of this. It might not be something that you've ever done before, like come to a worship night, like where there's no like set agenda and this person's going to speak for this long and whatever. But we're just going to have a time of worship and prayer. And I, and I hope that you would be a part of this. You know, that we would just take some time and that we would kneel before God and we would, we would humble ourselves, that we would, we would pray, that we would worship. This morning, that opportunity is most definitely available to you. Or you spend time in worship, spend time in prayer. There'll be some people over here um, in red shirts, I believe, uh, who'll be there to pray with you if you'd like. Um, us to come before him like real meaningful intentional heartfelt prayer and I do say this like this is not a transition let's don't let it be a transition from Shannon speaking to now band playing that's ordinary 
God, we come to you now and we expect the extraordinary. We expect to, um, to be moved by who you are. God, would you forgive us for not choosing to be, for, for us not even having our eyes open to who you are, for us to not even be looking for you, expecting you. God, that it's not that ordinary is bad, it's just that you are extraordinary and you want to be a part of what we call ordinary. We don't have to make a big deal or make a, a festival or call it a special day that it could just be a Tuesday. And we can be in awe of who you are. Your holiness transforms everything. And so God, my prayer this morning for your people is that we would say, oh my goodness, I'm on holy ground. I am on holy ground. And I don't understand it, but God actually loves me. And he's proven that through Jesus Christ. Lord, would you forgive me for not being in awe? Would you forgive me for not being moved by you? Would you forgive me for not responding to you, seeking after you, reading your Bible, being in prayer, talking about you, talking to you? God, I want, I desire that in my life for your, for the extraordinariness of who you are to come and shatter the ordinariness of my life. Receive our worship as what it really, really, really should be. Worship of a most holy God now in the name of Jesus.